0: Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Ian Carey, and we are running through all the news, making headlines in the world of pro wrestling this week. And this week was an interesting week in the world of wrestling. It finally seemed like we got out of some of the dumpster fire that has been the world of pro wrestling over the last few months. And we can actually talk about wrestling and wrestling shows again. I mean, I'm sure if I dive back into the headlines over the last week, there are a bunch of dumpster fire type stories, but really the big story of the week is wrestling related for the first time in like months. And I believe the top story in wrestling this week is that we had AEW Fighter Fest going head to head with NXT's. The Great American Bash. So each show doing the first night of a two-week event. Of course, now AEW's got Fight for the Fallen on July 15th. So they've got three straight weeks of branded events. But NXT put on The Great American Bash. I thought they were both great shows. They were both shows that felt like pay-per-views that happened to be on free TV. And the ratings for the shows were kind of interesting. But before we get into the ratings for NXT and AEW, I think we should talk about the ratings for Raw and SmackDown this week because they were both very bad. All right, so SmackDown last night, well, last night from when I'm recording this, I don't know what day it is when you're listening to this, but. Last night, for me right now, was SmackDown, and I thought it was actually a decent show. Uh, had, I mean, the first quarter of the show was dedicated to Matt Riddle and King Corbin's budding rivalry, and anytime you can see Matt Riddle in wrestling, I think it's a good thing. There was AJ Styles versus Drew Gulak, which was a, a great match for the Intercontinental Championship, and then there was a bunch of stuff that yeah, maybe you don't need to see. But there were those two things, and those two things were good. However, last night's SmackDown drew a record low rating, the lowest rating that they've ever gotten since the move to Fox. They drew 1.777 million viewers and just a 0.4 in the key demo. That's a decrease of 20% in the key demo. Now, however... This is the July 3rd episode. These ratings are for the United States. And of course the July 4th is a big holiday in the United States. So these are going to uh, come under the category of holiday ratings. And more or less you you can throw out this rating unless it's the start of a pattern. But SmackDown has been hovering around, like hovering over like a little over 2 million viewers and a 0.50 in the key demo. For months now, since the pandemic started, that's sort of where they're at. So, last night's record poor rating for SmackDown, right now you, you sort of have to write it off as uh, just a product of it being a holiday weekend. And I know some people are going to be like, but is there such a thing as a holiday weekend during a pandemic? Aren't, aren't people at home anyway? Well, who knows, right? We're, we're dealing with so many unknowns, so many variables. But what you look for in ratings is you look for patterns. So if this record low rating is the start of a pattern, that's bad for SmackDown. If it's just a, a throwaway holiday rating, no big deal. But there was also a considerable drop in viewership for Monday Night Raw or WWE Raw. I don't even know if they call it Monday Night Raw anymore. I think it's just Raw. But Raw's rating for the June 29th show this Monday was down to 1.735 million viewers and a 0.49 in the key demo. If you're not aware, the key demo is 18 to 49, uh, 18 to 49-year-olds. That is the demographic that advertisers value the most. And uh, we'll get into a little bit more on that later but the reason this raw rating is significant is because for the last two weeks that Bruce Pritchard has been running the show the show has been doing a little over 1.9 million viewers this week it did a little over 1.7 million viewers and for the weeks that uh, during the pandemic when Paul Hammond was running the show The ratings were a little over 1.7. So we had two weeks where 200,000 extra viewers tuned in to see what Raw was going to be like with Paul Heyman removed. And after two weeks, it appears those 200,000 people have gone back to not watching it. Which I think is kind of interesting because I know I fall under that category. Like I didn't really watch Raw this week. And it was for the first time in a couple of weeks. So there are 200,000 people who will watch Raw if they're motivated to do so, but won't if they're not given any reason to watch the show. Those 200,000 people who tuned in for two weeks of Bruce Pritchard, they're gone again, or they were at least gone again this week. So keeping in mind that both Raw and SmackDown did a little over 1.7 million viewers this week. We now go to what happened on Wednesday night, and if you combine viewers from AEW Dynamite and NXT, a little over 1.5 million viewers watch wrestling on Wednesday nights. I think that's a significant number because that is now catching up to the amount of people who watch wrestling on Monday nights and Friday nights for Raw and SmackDown. Now, you could argue if you took AEW away or you took NXT away, the other show would not be doing 1.5 million viewers. We saw that with Raw and Nitro. When Nitro went off the air, Raw's ratings, Raw didn't absorb the old Nitro watchers. And so you could argue that the same thing wouldn't happen here. If NXT didn't go head-to-head with AEW or vice versa, The other show would not be doing 1.5 million viewers. Or maybe they would. Maybe they would. Maybe what happened when the Monday Night Wars ended is not what might happen if the Wednesday Night Wars were to end. But NXT has sort of turned the corner. NXT has gotten their viewership up to a new level now during the pandemic. For the July 1st episode of NXT, they brought in 792,000 viewers and a 0.22 in the key demo. Now, of course, they're branding this as the Great American Bash. Sasha Banks is coming in. But that 792,000 number, I that's like the best number they've done in a long, long time. Definitely the best since the pandemic started. And maybe the best that they've ever done. And not only were they up in total viewership, they were up in the key demo as well. And last week on the June 24th, they also did really well. They were at 786,000 viewers and a 0.19 in the key demo. So there's a few things you can take away from that. And the week before they did pretty good too, but not as good as the last two weeks. So some people will say, oh, okay, well, Sasha Banks is all over the show right now. Sasha Banks and Bailey." And that's why their ratings are so good. And we've seen this before because the first time that NXT beat AEW in the ratings, it was when they brought Becky Lynch over to the show. She came in for, I don't know, a cup of coffee to do something or other. And NXT beat AEW in total viewership, but not in the key demo. However... NXT has attempted to bring in Charlotte. Like, Charlotte Flair came to the show after WrestleMania, and it did nothing for the ratings. Nothing. Sasha Banks comes on the show. It does everything for the ratings. Her segments are uh, destroying Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy segment. Actually, her segment didn't do that. Keith Lee's segment did do that. So, something, but like her segments on this week's episode, did very, very well. So something NXT has been doing recently has been working. And the arguments are Sasha Banks. And the other argument is that Keith Lee's rise to the number one contendership is something that fans are getting excited about. And I say this because Keith Lee winning the number one contender triple threat match on the june 24th episode did monster ratings and you say well finn balor and johnny gargano were also on that match it's like yeah but I, i'm sure if i went through the numbers i could find finn balor and johnny gargano segments or main event segments that uh, didn't do that well but this was a big match number one contenders match i i going back to the survivor series when keith lee I look to be like the new main event star in WWE fans love Keith Lee. And it feels like even though he had that big moment at Survivor Series, even though I think he had a moment in the Royal Rumble too, it feels like they've done a slow build to build Keith Lee up to this spot where he's now going to challenge Adam Cole for the championship next week. And I would expect the title match between Adam Cole and Keith Lee is going to do huge numbers. And I think that's what's doing it for NXT right now is they've hit on two things that fans really like, or two people at least, and that's Keith Lee and Sasha Banks. So NXT beat AEW this week in terms of total viewers with 792,000. Going over to AEW, they did 748,000 uh, viewers and a 0.29 in the key demo so if you look at the key demo AEW had its best week since right after the double or nothing pay-per-view they had a show May 27th uh, which was right after the double or nothing pay-per-view they did 827,000 viewers and a 0.32 in the key, in the key demo uh, the June 24th show did a 0.22 in the key demo so they're, they're definitely up from there So AEW, well, here's the thing. AEW was doing like 800,000 around their pre-pandemic numbers. NXT was doing around 700,000 pre-pandemic numbers. NXT is now past what they were doing before the pandemic. They've done so well in recent weeks that they're beating what they were doing with live crowds. Like actual live crowds, not fans. Or not uh, developmental stars as fans. AEW still a little bit below what they were doing before the pandemic hit. Raw and SmackDown have been destroyed. Well, not destroyed. They've been hurt way worse by the pandemic than AEW or NXT has. To the point now where there's almost as many people watching wrestling on Wednesday nights as there are Monday nights and Friday nights. And I think that's a significant development. Because what happens on Wednesday nights is geared towards wrestling fans. Right, what NXT, even though it's WWE, it's supposed to be WWE's version of a wrestling show for wrestling fans. Whereas Raw and SmackDown are aimed at mainstream audiences, pop culture, families, kids, larger than life stars, short matches, lots of talking, lots of storylines. So now there's it, there's starting to be as many wrestling fans watching wrestling shows geared towards them as there are kids and families watching WWE style wrestling. And I think that's I think that's important to notice. The pandemic has not hit those wrestling fans in the same way that it has hit main roster WWE fans. Now now who knows what the future will hold. Maybe uh, Maybe WWE main roster fans are just taking a little bit longer to get back into the product with no fans, you know? And of course, like, Raw and SmackDown, you know, they're doing those shows in front of 10, 15,000 people every week. You take those 10, 15,000 people away, and it takes away from the atmosphere. AEW was doing shows in front of Eh, maybe a little under 10,000 for, for most shows. You take, But they were like a vocal 10,000 that really added to the atmosphere. You take those people away, and yeah, we've seen AEW's numbers come down. NXT was always doing their show in front of a few hundred people. Now they're doing their show in front of a few dozen people. And their ratings are better than ever. So So NXT is not hurt as much as AEW or main roster WWE by the absence of fans. That's one, that's one reason you could possibly speculate as to why the ratings are trending in the, uh, in the way that they are. But as interesting as these ratings are, certainly for the Wednesday Night Wars, I don't think they are going to be as interesting as next week's ratings. Because next week you've got arguably the biggest match to take place on NXT programming in a long time, Keith Lee challenging Adam Cole for the NXT championship. That, I imagine, is going to do big, big ratings. And I imagine NXT, in terms of at least total viewership, is going to beat the second week of Fighter Fest in, in the ratings. Another reason that could happen is because AEW has had to postpone their main event for the second night of Fighter Fest. And oddly enough, they've had to postpone it because of WWE's COVID-19 testing policies. AEW world champion John Moxley is married to WWE commentator Renee Young. Renee Young contracted the coronavirus at the WWE Performance Center, something that wouldn't have happened at Daly's place in Jacksonville because everybody is tested for the virus before being allowed into the venue. So Renee Young contracts the virus. She brings it home. John Moxley hasn't con- uh, contracted the virus uh, as of yet. He's yet to test positive on a coronavirus test. However, him and Renee Young are isolated in separate parts of their house that's apparent like they're in the same house but they're hanging out in different areas despite this aw has had to postpone the moxley versus brian cage match because moxley was like i probably have the virus but i'm just not testing positive for it yet however i could still bring that virus with me into daly's place and i don't want to do that So the match is being pushed back to July 15th. However, if somewhere between now and then Moxley does test positive, who knows when that match is actually going to take place. And I think that's about all I wanted to talk to you about the ratings this week. So we'll move on to the second biggest story in wrestling this week. All right, quite possibly the second biggest story going on in wrestling this week concerns the NXT UK brand and concerns that the NXT UK brand might be ending. And WWE has not said anything. But some people are drawing the conclusion, hey, this NXT UK brand was set up because WWE was worried about World of Sports and all these different UK promotions that were gaining traction. So they came in and they signed up all the stars and they created the NXT UK brand. But the NXT UK brand is not profitable. It exists on the WWE network. They're not drawn thousands of people to their shows. And of course, it's a pandemic going on, so they can't do anything at all. And there's also been reports that plans to start an NXT Japan have been completely scrapped due to due to the pandemic as well. Like basically the pandemic has stopped any unnecessary investment, right? Like any unnecessary expansion. WWE is thinking we don't need to start a developmental program in Japan right now. We're not able to sh- uh to hold live events. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. In our industry, et cetera, why would we go and we would start NXT UK? Why would we, or why would we go in and start a whole new uh, promotion now? So it it was announced that there would be a mandatory conference call for everyone associated with the brand on Tuesday. And there had been reports that the NXT UK brand would return to doing uh, shows sometime this summer, like in an empty arena setting. And so so there was two thoughts going into this conference call. The first is that they're, okay, they're probably going to announce these empty arena shows, but that didn't happen. And the second is that maybe they would just shut down the brand, but that didn't happen either. And something else that's been drawing a lot of people to the conclusion that NXT UK is ending was the speaking out movement and how many UK wrestlers were, um, I guess, outed as, as predators during that or as, as uh, people who had con- committed various offenses. And we've seen Travis Banks is now gone. Leggero is gone. Joe Coffey, they announced, has been suspended. And two referees were fired as well. You would think, though, that on this conference call... They would address, hey, when are we getting back to work or are we getting back to work? But rather what they did was address the company's policies around uh, sexual assault allegations or similar allegations. And basically WWE just reiterated on this call what had already been communicated to media. And that's the their policy is this. If you are charged With such an offense, you are suspended. If you are convicted, you are fired. And if you are not charged, not convicted, but there is overwhelming, irrefutable evidence that you actually did something, then you're fired as well. That's all they brought up on this call. No, when are we going to do shows again? No, are we going to do shows again? So to me, that sends the message that they don't know. The answer to either of those two questions. They don't know when they're going to do shows again, and they don't know if they're going to do shows again. And I think it could be until the end of the summer before we get any firm answers to either of those two questions. Another thing that came out this week is that Bubba Ray Dudley, aka Bully Ray, is now a free agent. And this came out this week. However, according to... Well, there's... Okay, all of this stuff is based on anonymous reports. Um, Both Wrestling Observer Newsletter and PW Insider have been posting news about this. And surprise, surprise, the two reports conflict with each other. As so often happens when we're dealing with anonymous source-based rumors and reports and things like that. So... I'll give you what these reports are saying, and then we'll just try and kind of figure out what we can take away from from the various reports. So Wrestling Observer Newsletter comes out and say, Bully Ray is no longer with Ring of Honor. His contract expired. They didn't offer him a new one because Ring of Honor's not offering anybody new contracts uh, uh, right now, I guess, assuming, assumingly, is that a word? Assumingly? I'm going to make it a word. Assumingly because of the global pandemic so that's what wrestling observers said and then after that report comes out ian rigaboni Rig- rigaboni 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 the play-by-play guy for ring of honor he comes out and says basically sends out like a like a series of tweets saying more or less that's not true we are offering new deals shortly after that pw insider comes out with a report saying Bully Ray's contract actually ended on April 1st, and uh, the company chose not to renew it as there was a feeling that Bully had sort of done all that he could do in the promotion. He was originally supposed to stay with Ring of Honor through Supercard of Honor, which would have happened at WrestleMania. However, because of the pandemic, none of those shows happened. So, Bully Ray, free agent, where could he possibly end up? We know that one company that is going hard to sign as many notable free agents as possible is Impact Wrestling. Of course, Impact has teased the idea that Aces and Eights could be returning. I think Impact would really like to bring in Bully Ray. Both because Bully's a former TNA world champion. He's involved in the Aces and Eights. I mean, he was the president of Aces and Eights, right? So it makes sense to have him Uh, come back if you're going to bring that angle back. But also his role on Busted Open Radio. And he's on the Sirius XM satellite radio show Busted Open, which, you know, is, is fairly popular. And I think Impact probably thinks, hey, we could get a lot of publicity for us By having Bully on that show constantly talking about Impact. And we've seen Impact run angles through that show now. They ran an angle where Deanna Perrazzo called in to Busted Open Radio. And then Jordine Grace called in while she called in. And they basically built up their Slammiversary match while that, that show was ongoing. So it's possible Bully Ray could end up back in Impact Wrestling where he's a former world champion. Bully could, I mean, Bully's someone, yeah, he's 48 years old, he's at the end of his career, he wasn't really in the mix of things in Ring of Honor, he sort of existed in his own universe, doing his own angles, but he's someone that I think will draw the attention of other promotions, even with this pandemic going on, so we'll see, we'll see where Bully Ray ends up. Ember Moon mentioned again in an interview recently that she is concerned that her injury that she's dealing with right now could be career-ending. If you're not aware, she suffered an Achilles injury uh, in the fall, and it occurred in the most random way. If you remember, very briefly, Carmelo was the 24-7 title holder. And they did this segment on SmackDown where a lot of the women wrestlers chased after her. And one of the women's wrestlers was Ember Moon. During that little scene where all she's doing is running at like half pace. Because you never run at full pace because then you might actually catch the person that you're chasing. So she's running at half pace and somehow like really badly hurt her Achilles. I mean, it was probably, she probably, like it was probably hurt Or injured to some degree, and she just hurt it more in this segment. But I just thought, like, what a crazy, random way to possibly have suffered a career-ending injury. So anyway, she does an interview with ComicBook.com, and she sort of clarified just how severe the injury that she's dealing with is. Remember, like, she she hasn't wrestled since September. And it's now... July. So it's like almost September again. And she's now thinking she might need a second surgery. So but like, even if she does come back, it's going to be well over a year since she went out with an injury. Here's what she said to comicbook.com about her injury. A lot of people don't know this. They think I just have a very generic Achilles rupture, but I don't. What actually happened is that my Achilles tendon got split in half, and then it also got torn off the bone. So I actually ruptured my Achilles in two places, and the surgeon thinks that I may have been wrestling on it for probably about two months already torn to some extent, and I just didn't feel the pain because I have kind of a high pain tolerance. And she continued then to talk about the second surgery she might need. She goes, I'm sitting here and I'm fighting a second surgery. I'm fighting against the second surgery. That's how bad it is. When I went on backstage and I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to wrestle again, I meant what I said, and I stand by that. And so she was on WWE backstage, which has now been canceled, and CM Punk is out of wrestling again. So on WWE backstage in May, this is what uh, she said about her injury. She she said, the more and more I sit back and look at everything I've done and what I would redo, I think more about my injury currently and realizing that I may have a career-ending injury. I'm coming back from the hardest injury, and I might not have a chance to redeem myself of all the things I wanted to do and all the things I want to do in my future. It's so hard to think back and regret when I try and look forward. So there, I mean, there is no timetable for her return, and by the sounds of it, she may never return. And at only 31 years old, and after having only been on the main roster for a little while, I mean, it would be a harsh premature end to her pro wrestling career. So hopefully she either gets the second surgery and it's successful or there's some type of rehabilitation program that she goes through that uh, can allow her to, to get back in the ring and resume her pro wrestling career. All right, so let's finish off this week with what is on tap for next week in the world of wrestling. And uh, I'm way behind on the New Japan Cup. I've got like night six, seven and eight um, still to watch. So I know we're going to get the, the finals there of uh, that tournament where we're building up to Dominion. But I'm way behind and I assume some of you are way behind, too because there's a little bit of a delay between when the events happen and when Kevin Kelly is able to put English commentary over top of it. I've been waiting for the English commentary. So a little bit behind. I'm going to finish this up, and then I'm probably going to try and catch up. And then maybe if there's time, I'll add a little bit of New Japan onto the end here. But let's just go with what is scheduled in North American wrestling for the next week. Something smells really good coming out of my kitchen, but I will ignore that and go with what's what's on tap in the world of wrestling. So for Monday's Raw, there's almost nothing ever announced ahead of time. Um, sometimes that's because they just want the show to feel really, you know, like it's, like it's happening on the fly and you don't know what to expect. And other times they do that because they don't know who's going to test positive for COVID-19. Anyway, they have scheduled one match for Raw, which is the Raw Women's Champion going up against the SmackDown Women's Champion. So we've got Asuka versus Bailey. Also on the site right now, we've got an article up that looks at the Io Shirai-Sasha Banks match from the Great American Bash this week. That was a classic, an absolute classic of a match. And uh, if you enjoyed it as well, I think you'll enjoy that article as well. But that's all we've got announced for Raw is Asuka versus Bailey. Then on Friday night, for SmackDown, we've got two matches announced. We've got the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, uh, New Day, Kingston and Big E, taking on Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. And that match is coming about because Nakamura defeated Kofi Kingston on SmackDown last night. Then also, we've got Sasha Banks and Bailey going up against... The team of Bliss Cross. It's Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. That's a non title match, however. Banks and Bailey versus Bliss Cross. And that's all that's announced for SmackDown. However, we've got lots of matches announced for the second week of the Great American Bash and the second week of AEW Fighter Fest. So, starting with Fighter Fest, we've got a bit of an updated schedule now that. Moxley versus Brian Cage has been pushed back to Fight for the Fallen. And again, we like we don't even know if that match is going to happen at Fight for the Fallen. If, I mean, Moxley is living with someone who has COVID-19. It feels like the likelihood of him getting COVID-19 is pretty high, isn't it? Well, if he tests positive sometime between now and July 15th, Moxley versus Cage is not taking place at Fight for the Fallen either. Doesn't that suck that that's part of what we have to factor in now for wrestling? Anyway, here is what's on tap for the second night of Fighter Fest, July 8th, from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. This is an interesting match. FTR, who's Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood, they are going to team up with the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, to go up against the heel team of the Lucha Bros, Pentagon and Phoenix, and the Butcher and the Blade. And this is all building up to that dream match everyone wanted for years and years when they were in separate promotions between FTR and the Young Bucks, which I have to imagine we'll probably get in September for All Out, um, which I think is the September pay-per-view. So, get ready for a solid two months plus Of FTR and Young Bucks building towards this epic match. And it should be interesting to see how those two teams work together now against the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. And um, it's great because three of these teams are like established as three of the greatest tag teams in the world. FTR, the Young Bucks, and the Lucha Bros. The Butcher and the Blade, though, Are winning over a lot of fans I think Butcher and the Butcher and the Blade have really taken off in recent weeks and especially as they've been having matches with the Young Bucks and FTR and it's interesting because I was actually at the show where the Butcher and the Blade team came together Um, they actually formed on a show for Smash Wrestling in Toronto which is a local promotion here and yeah, I I was at the show where they formed their tag team. So now seeing them do so well in AEW is kind of fun for for me and I would imagine for other fans of Smash Wrestling from Toronto as well. Also, on the second week of Fighter Fest, we got Nyla Rose is going to face an opponent to be named later and make an announcement of some sort. So So that should be interesting. We should find out what's next for Nyla Rose and she should uh Squash someone like uh, I don't know some unnamed, some unnamed talent. Maybe she'll she'll wrestle Anna Jay, and the loss will send Anna Jay even further into the waiting arms of the Dark Order. Speaking of the Dark Order, Brody Lee, Stu Grayson, and Cold Cabana are going to team up to go against the three members of SCU: Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. SCU is marketing a fantastic t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees right now. It's a play on their old slogan of, this is the worst town I've ever been to. And they've just got, you know, 2020, this is the worst year I've ever lived in. Um, So we should find out more about the Colt Cabana and Dark Order storyline that's developing here. Is Colt Cabana going to join the Dark Order? We'll see. We'll see. Lance Archer, along with his manager, Jake the Snake Roberts, is going to take on Joey Janela. And we've seen these two throw down in fisticuffs. Well, actually, no, not fisticuffs. We've seen them sort of get into a shoving contest, a bit of a fight in the audience in recent weeks. And then we've got an AEW Tag Team Championship match that was just announced at Fighter Fest Night One. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are going to once again... Look to defend their tag titles. This time they will take on Private Party. Private Party, who is victorious over Santana and Ortiz on night one of Fighter Fest. And Chris Jericho is going to go one on one with Orange Cassidy. And I imagine that's going to be the main event. Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy. And you can argue. Whether you like Orange Cassidy or you don't like Orange Cassidy, I think you have to admit that these are two of the biggest stars in AEW right now. I mean, Chris Jericho is the biggest star in AEW. Orange Cassidy sells a lot of t-shirts, gets a lot of fans talking, and up until he went head-to-head with Keith Lee, his ratings had done very, very well. Same with Chris Jericho. And that's night two of AEW Fighter Fest. And then, of course, the next week is Fight for the Fallen. Let's now go to NXT. The second night of the Great American Bash. Three matches are announced. We've got Phantasma's stable of him under his new name, Santos Escobar. Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. They'll go up against Drake Maverick and Bree Zango. We've got a street fight between Candice LeRae and Mia Yim. And then the Arguably the biggest match to take place on NXT television, maybe ever, for both the NXT Championship and the NXT North American Championship. Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. That match is huge. Huge, 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 huge match for NXT this week. I'd imagine it's going to do monster ratings and maybe... If Keith Lee can pull out the victory, he can end the year-plus-long reign of Adam Cole and start the new era of NXT with Keith Lee as the face of the promotion. Is that going to happen? We will have to wait until Wednesday night to find out, and we will be back with you next week with another episode of This Week in Wrestling by Spoiler Free Wrestling. I'm Ian Carey. Thanks again for listening to this show again this week.